and welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back at the cartoons that shaped our childhood. This episode, we are going to be looking at Doug. Yeah, now Doug's a strange one for me because I remember it coming about and then I didn't really get on with it. It was just one of those that it, it was with the things that were on at the same time, and like we talked about um, Rugrats coming out at the same time. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Ren and Stimpy at some point as well, which all part of that sort of Nickelodeon block. Mm-hmm. But then you had stuff like The Simpsons was emerging as well. So as, as cartoons went, this was a far gentler, far less intrusive uh, sort of show. And I think because of that, I think it just didn't have the same sort of appeal. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, weirdly, I went the opposite direction with Doug. Um, I very much like this, and it grabbed me from... I think the first time I saw it, uh, conversely, as we've talked about on the Rugrats episode, I never really clicked with Rugrats, and I don't don't know why. Um, I think with Doug, because it is... I mean, it's essentially an animated sitcom like The Simpsons, as you say, albeit a gentler one aimed towards that kind of pre-teen to to early teen market. Um, But I'm sure you'll be able to check the dates uh, shortly because you do the facts and stuff. (laughs) But I think I was probably smack on the right age for this. I remember first being exposed to Doug, I was probably about 10 or 11. Yeah, well, Doug, um, not sure about this country, but originally ran from 91 to 94. There you go. So yeah, you would have been bang on target. Yeah. Um, so you had ninety one to ninety four on Nickelodeon. Then when Disney picked it up, um, they had a second run from ninety six to ninety nine. Yeah. No, but by the time it hit on Disney, because I'd watched the original Nickelodeon show, I do remember watching some of those Disney shows. Um, for me, I mean, we'll get into it later on. I don't think they were they were quite up to snuff. They were still very good, but they were quite up to snuff. And so I, had, at that point, did then move on to the likes of The Simpsons and probably. By that point, even South Park would have been kicking around and things like that. So I'd, I'd moved there for my kind of yeah. animated sitcom fix. Um, and I do very much see Doug as that kind of thing. It, it's not It's not a children's show in the broader sense then, like some of these yeah. action-adventure shows that we, we talk about and things like that. It is very much more... Um, I mean, it's essentially a modern Peanuts. That's, that's yeah. what it always felt like to me. It felt very Peanuts. And again, being... Of probably just the right catchment age as well to for this country anyway not so much for America but to have caught peanuts as a thing when I was yeah. a very young child. This, even though I would have only been ten or eleven, this was already feeling sort of nostalgic to me. You know, oh, it's just like Snoopy. Yeah, you know. And I mean, I think you've, you've kind of hit on it there. It's, it's it does sort of feel like that sort of buffer, or that sort of bridge between children's television and going into more ad, not adult old but older child or teenage mm-hmm. stuff and it was it was a nice bridge where it, it there was always a moral there was always a theme um it was never heavy-handed it was never smacking it never smacked it with the head or anything but it was never ambiguous it was always this is what it is and this is why we've done this show there was a purpose to everything there was a meaning for everything yeah. and then it, it moved you into more more grown-up effectively shows and then, so the time you got to you things like South Park, where they had the sort of the, the, the fake denouement at the end and things like that, it was all it was kind of thinking, well, I know why they've done that because they've always done that. And it's it, yeah. It, 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 so it sort of it's it bridged that gap quite nicely, I think. Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, it was very again. There's a similarity to Peanuts, but there's also like I guess you could draw a comparison between it being almost like a kind of animated Wonder Years or yeah. or something like that. It's very much that small town kid growing up, coming of age kind of thing. And, and so you had these, like, I think they were like 10 or 11 minutes a story, generally two or three stories an episode. Mm. I think it was two, if 
I remember rightly, and just stories about essentially about nothing. Yeah, that's right. Just the moral lesson in each one. Doug would start in one place, learn a lesson, and end up in another place. Yeah. I mean, it's quite funny you said that because in the notes I wrote on yesterday, I actually did write one day yes. Yeah, it, it is very much that yeah. kind of yeah coming of age story. Is exactly yeah. what it is, and it's. Kind of deliberately quirky in a lot of ways as well, which I was also really drawn to as a kid. I, I do have a, a fondness for that kind of offbeat kind yeah. of, you know, in the same way that I got really into Ren and Stimpy as opposed to things like The Simpsons initially as well, just yeah. because they were deliberately anarchic and crazy and, yeah. and oddball. Um, I mean, there's a lot of crossover between this and Ren and Stimpy as well, incidentally. Yes. So, you know, I guess those two go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, there were, there were things like Quail Man and you know, everybody's fascination with beetroot and the band being the beats. The colours were just bizarre. People yeah. had purple skin and green skin. and Yeah, it, it definitely had its own kind of look and quirky style to it as well. So that was attractive to me as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, talking about sort of the design of it then, it was actually it was originally done as a children's book. Right. Um, but um, Jim Jenkins, who created it and developed it, and couldn't get it published, nobody wanted to know. Um, so I'm not sure how it ended up at Nickelodeon, whether it was he pitched it or whether somebody picked somebody had been involved in a pitch and asked him to go in. Um, but got pitched at Nickelodeon, they loved it, and they commissioned it for a series, uh, for, for, for a season. Um, but by the time he delivered the scripts, he'd actually developed the entire world around it as well, so he knew every character inside and out. He knew the reasons why some were purple and some were green. Yeah. He knew who the characters were, he knew where the characters were going, he knew what their purpose in the story was. So by the time it was, it actually hit um, hit the floor to be produced, he knew every single inch of that show. And sometimes you look at shows, especially that come out now, I mean, at the time you tended to get more because you tended to have more um, linear narratives, but you don't, see, you don't see a show now that's so, so intricately planned that from the time you, put, you first put pen to paper, you know exactly how it's going to end. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the, the writing in general and the world creation is, is top-notch. And, and even, like you said then, uh, by the time the series came about, he'd, he'd grown the world around it. Like, the, the town that the Doug lives in is very much a fully functioning town, much in the same way that Springfield is yeah. in The Simpsons, in that there is a whole array of support characters that all... They aren't just paying lip service and they aren't tokens. They yes. all have their own identities very much so even when you look at somebody like uh, like patty mayonnaise yeah. who's, who's the love interest the, she's not depicted as this perfect human being that no that's no. obsessed with she's actually she's got very short temper she's very competitive yeah you she's know, very human she is yeah she is flawed she's a flawed human being just yeah. like everybody else you know doug's obviously very insecure and he's learning his place in the world and that sort of thing and then you've got the bully uh, roger yeah the bully is who's yeah. Kind of, he's depicted as a bully, but he's not necessarily a horrible person. No, he's, he's, he's more just of a, a bit of a dick. Yeah, he's more of, so he's more of a, 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 a sort of what what in America would be sort of, would be sort of a, a, a typical jockey dick. You know, it's yeah. He he doesn't bully people, but he makes fun of them. He plays pranks on them and stuff yeah. like that. He's not an aggressive, beat you up in the in the, in the car park sort of bully. No, um, but yeah, he's very much there as an antagonist. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't realised actually until um, until rewatching yesterday. It was voiced by Billy West, who's um, Fry for drama. Uh, Billy West did quite a few voices, I think. I hadn't I hadn't uh, picked it up. It was one of those things that I was, uh, wasn't at the time. I wasn't that into. So going back to it and for and rewatching it for this, it, I look at some of the voices, and there's um, a couple of voices that pop up in Matt Groening's work. Yeah. Um, you think, oh, that's that's um, no, that's that's 
It's, it's quite bad because rather than taking them as a character they're playing there, it's the character they are in Futurama or in The Simpsons or whatever. Yeah. And you kind of equate it wrongly. Um, I mean, likewise, Billy West, to me, you go straight to Futurama. Again, I go to Ren and Stimpy. Uh, yeah. He's the voice of Stimpy. So <laughs> straight away you make that connection. Yeah, that, that is, and it, it is quite funny. And that's, I think I've said to you uh, on, on the show before, when we're watching TV, how I spend more time going, what the fuck's that? What do they mean? Yeah. Than I do actually watching the show. So, um, but yeah, so that was that was the first thing that drew me. Oh, that's Billy West. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but he only did the um, the next series. He didn't do the um, the Disney. Didn't ones. do the no. Um, they changed a few of the cast members. Um, Billy West being one of them. Although I think there is there is a kind of tendency to think of him as Doug now. Mm. So there is people think of it that way. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's quite bizarre. Um, so yeah, so so done, originally done as a as a children's book. Um, the one thing that's sort of, it's it's highlighted time and time again. When I when when I sort of start researching shows on um, I always I start with Wikipedia and I sort of jump around and see what I can find. And one of the things that keeps on getting commented about on Reddit and Tumblr and anywhere else is the soundtrack. The soundtrack to this, I mean, we we talk about soundtracks a lot on this show, and. I almost feel like at one point we need to do a whole episode just where we're listing our top 10 soundtracks because everyone is either brilliant or shit. Very rare do we go, well, the soundtrack's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is just so, again, bizarre and deliberately quirky. The whole thing's a cappella. Yeah. And, I mean, this this thing's a fucking earworm. I can't even say to you, like, it's brilliant in the same way that, like, say, DuckTales or Rescue Rangers is a brilliant soundtrack. Yeah. But this thing, I'm not even going to attempt to do it. It's there. It's too late. It's there. I've just thought about it, and I'm already in my head going, do, 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 do. It's just, it's, it's not got any words. It's it's just noises. But it's so... But it's kind of in keeping with the show. Like It is that sort of quirky, a little bit laid back, a little bit left to centre. Yeah, I, once it's there... It is like I apologize to everybody listening now because if you know it, it's now in your head, and you're going to walk around just singing it to yourself all day. It will not go away. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it's the way that soundtrack carries through into the main show as well, yeah. in that there's no real music as such unless the beats are playing or something. Yeah. But there are these almost Seinfeld esque stings yeah. that move you from scene to scene that are done in that same kind of a cappella style, and yeah. it's just. Noises. <laughs> that's that's right. It's noises coming from a person's mouth. <laughs> that's it. Um, like looking at um, I picked up quite a few threads on Reddit, and people, some people, go, oh, it's amazing. It's but I remember because I used, I used to love it. And other people go, it's shit. It's just something making noise. It's the guy from Police Academy, but shit. I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but it, it has been quite divisive. It's quite uh, it's quite strange. Yeah. As a lot of the ones we talk about are either brilliant and everyone loves them, or are shit and everyone hates them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, yeah, they they are just weird noises, and that even carries through to um, if you look at Skeeter as a character yeah. as well, uh, Scooter. Sorry, for for some reason he honks, mm. for for no, he just honks. Yeah, I don't know why, but he just, I think a lot, of, and a lot of that comes down to sort of the character and world building we talked about already yeah. that um, Jenkins did. Is that if you think of the people in your life, that everyone has these little idiosyncrasies, these little tendencies that they've done, these things that they do that just really fuck you off. For no reason, they're just really random, really weird. Yeah. And for no other, no, no other reason than they do them. And 99 times out of 100, you won't notice it. So every time you notice, you go, oh, fuck's sake, hey, why does he always do that? No, and it just sort of gets stuck in your head. Yeah. And I think a lot of the characters in Doug, this is part of, part of the thing that makes it in, no, makes it so enduring, is that even though 20 years on, people can sort of go, oh, fuck, 
yeah, I remember this because I can identify with this, even yeah. though it's not it's kids. I can identify with this particular frustration or this particular thought, or that fucking character who annoys the piss out of me every week. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's an odd one though, isn't it? Like you say, it, I think this show doesn't do her, and I think there are definitely still people out there that that will remember Doug fondly. But it doesn't have the same kind of instant impact that, say, Rugrats or Ren and Stimpy mm. or any of the other Nicktoons had, even though it got picked up by ABC. Yeah. So it was probably the most widely exposed. Yeah. But it just doesn't, at least I don't feel like it has that same kind of name recognition. When you say Doug, I think people will get there. Yeah, but you may have to it's go, not Doug. The, it's Do you not, remember Doug and the, the beats and the yeah, music? It's not and, the instant recognition that some no. of the Rugrats Ren and would have. Uh, and there's a quote um, from Jim Jenkins where he's talking about the shows and people talking about the performance of those three um, Nick Toon shows together, mm-hmm. uh, Rugrats, uh, Doug and Ren and he And he, he, was, he wasn't complaining as such, but he was saying that part of the reason why it didn't get as much attention as Ren and Stimpy was that it was just as off the wall, it was it just in a different way. But because of the guy who created Ren and Stimpy, whose name I can't remember, he used to bitch and moan about everything, he used to make a fuss about everything, he, he was constantly talking about whatever he wanted to talk about, to, just to get people talking about the show. Yeah. That people kept on thinking about it because he was always there. And he made you know, he made a comparison about you know, the, uh, the squeaky wheel getting, you know, getting the grease, constantly making most noise, therefore it got more attention. And I think that that's probably, of the, those three um, Nicktoons of that afternoon block, Yeah. Doug is pro- for me, Doug is probably the best one. Um, in in yeah, terms of the, the, the way it tells stories and the way it's put together. For me, it's probably the best one. It's not the, it's not the most interesting. It's certainly not the most memorable. But it's structurally... It's a quality the, product. Yeah it's, yeah, it's the best product. Whereas, I say, Rugrats we talked about before. And Rugrats was good. I liked Rugrats. And I liked it at the time. Rewatching it, it's, uh, it kind of doesn't really transition that well, as we discussed. But... Doug, I think, does in a di- because it because there's there are themes you can still pick up on because it didn't rely on the gimmick. So whereas Rugrats relied on the gimmick of having the babies and their misinterpretation, and you remember things because of the way they misunderstood it. Yeah, you don't get that with Doug. It's just it's 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 more vis- it's more cerebral. It's it's more it's cleverer. I think yeah, I, I think it endures as well because it is it it's relatable. We've all been to school, whether that be in yes. America or here. We've all. We've all grown up. We've all been through this phase in our life. Yeah. And because these stories are so deliberately centred around that and they're so normal and ordinary. Yes. It is timeless to an extent in the same way that Peanuts or The Wonder Years is timeless. Yeah. That's it. And it's very easy. And you look at shows from sort of the eight, late 80s, early 90s, even up into the sort of 2000s. Kids shows, there's always, a f- there's always felt to be a, a requirement to have a hook. There had to be something spectacular about yeah. it. Um, and you can see that in sort of young adult stuff now. Is that, um, You look at any sort of catalogue of young adult texts and it's all werewolves, vampires, psychics, monsters. Because they, because on its own, growing up, and being an adolescent and trying to find your place in the world isn't enough. Yeah. You need something to hang it on. You need, you need a world to hang it on which isn't everyday and boring and normal. Mm-hmm. And Doug didn't fall for that trap. No, it is it is very normal, you know. As I say, it's quirky. There's things like obviously, pork chop being the kind of Snoopy esque character, yeah. slightly anthropomorphized dog. He's a little bit more intelligent than your average dog would be. He can walk on two legs occasionally, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, so it, it's it's slightly surrealist. 
Yeah. But it's very normal. Yeah, I think there's there's a difference between surrealist and downright fantastical. Yeah. I mean, if you look at something, what's so that the, the popular parts of so the, the young, uh, young adult genre out at the moment, you look at things like Hunger Games and uh, Maze Runner and stuff like that, it's all very dystopian, it's all very bleak, and it's all very finding your place in the world, but also saving the world at the same time. Yeah. And sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you need to be able to relate to something that says, right, okay, I'm an 11 year old boy and I go out and these are the things I think about, these are the things I, I experience and I go through. Yeah. Oh, fuck, there's something on TV who's having the exact same problem. Yeah. And it's without having that sort of sensationalised part of it, which you can't really empathise with. So you can follow the story, you know, the, the adventure side of the story, but you can't actually buy into it because you've never experienced it. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. So it's always, um, let's say, it, this, this is quite a refreshing one. And having gone back to it, let's say, yesterday, um, and picked up a couple of episodes, and there are, that's what, there are 117 episodes. Wow. Um, I knew there was a lot because obviously it was actually two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's 117 episodes across seven seasons, um, but they're massively available um, online. So I, was, I picked up um, quite a few yesterday, and to just sit there and go, yeah, I, rem- I remember this. I, I can even like even now, 20 years on, nearly 20 years later, I can still identify with that character and something or something on what's going on there because yeah. there are things that, as a, because I would have experienced that time. We've all been there, and we've we've all had the school bully, we've all had the school crush, and, and the, sort of that growing up period. And yeah, it just makes it that much more relatable. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, in, in the way the show is framed as well, it, it again, I guess this comes from the Wonder Years, but it's all framed as Doug's kind of keeping a diary almost, yes. isn't he, from yes, what I remember. And he, he kind of narrates his own stories. Yeah. And so there is that instant personal connection with him there as well. Even though it's a sort of coming of age thing, I would argue he's probably slightly wise beyond his years. So yeah. even watching it as an adult now, it's not like you're listening to an eleven year old kid talk bollocks. Yeah, like he he does have a grasp on the world around him to an extent. Even though he's learning and growing, he he can frame the things that are happening to him in in an adult way. Yeah, you know, and that's that's always you always find that. I mean, if you've got a show that's an outright kid show, you'd have kids being kids yeah and if you have anything that's slightly older you you never yeah. have you would never have an 11 12 13 year old boy being 11 12 13 year old boy because there's there's just not enough awareness no of the, no, of the wider world around them so i mean even if you look at sort of into um film television right so as a programmatic terms of live action stuff most american shows they would they'd be using older actors to portray teenagers, to portray teenagers yeah. because they have a better range of expression they have better understanding and a better and better grasp of nuance, mm. whereas you know, I mean, and it's it's been a, a fairly uh, active stable in American television for donkeys years. That if you want somebody playing sixteen year old, you get a thirty year old. Yeah. Um. Because just because they have that, because the range is that, yeah. And they've they've got the experience they can draw on it. Whereas for somebody who is fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, trying to play a fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old, they haven't got the hindsight. They haven't got the benefit of thinking. Actually, yeah, I remember how it felt at the time. I can understand what the words on the on the page mm-hmm. and how it meant to portray it. But I don't. I can't identify with that because yeah. that's just constant. Yeah. So I think that, that's you kind of get it with the writing of Doug as well. It's it's a obviously it's a more mature writer. You don't have an eleven year old boy writing uh, yeah, yeah. a TV series, but it's it's that maturity that goes into the character, but into all the characters as well. It's, it, you, it's not just a case of oh, we'll make this one character very rounded and very very nuanced and very intelligent, and everybody else is acting their age. Yeah, I think it's um, it's interesting what you said there about not having framing it through a, through a child's perspective then in the way that, say, Rugrats would. Mm. And I think that's probably what sets this apart is that 
it's not necessary, even though it's about, again, it's about growing up, but it's not children necessarily being children, it's children attempting to be adults in the way that young teenagers do, yeah. finding their way in the world. Yeah, that's right. Um, so when you when you then compare it to a Rugrats or, I guess, as would come later, and particularly during its Disney run, something like Recess, yeah. this isn't that, because these are... These are children who are growing up, yeah, and then they're not they don't shy away from that, mm. no. Um, so yeah, and it, I mean, we should probably talk as well a little bit about we touched on the kind of surrealist aspects of its style and its music mm. and stuff, but even its art style as well was very. I mean, for for the time, obviously, you had things like Rugrats, which looked a bit rough and sketchy, but yeah, Doug, I always felt like was very deliberately drawn. As crudely as possible, yeah. In order to make it look, it, it felt to me, and it, I, I don't know this. This is just me reading into it, and especially reading it when I was an adult. His surname is Doug Funny, for instance, yeah. and it felt to me very much again with the penis connection, like it was being deliberately drawn as though it was a comic strip. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, especially with the funny pages. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so the, I think the fact that it was done as a children's book, you kind of got the, the impression the artwork would have been done as well. So you yeah. example, like, this is what the character looks like. This is what the world looks like. And in children's books, I mean, you generally do have, if you have all human characters, they do tend to be very different and very diverse. Um, and whether that's a more cynical move to sort of pointing out, at pointing out that you know, people are different and mm -hmm. it's no, it's the people in the story that matters, not not the, the colour of the skin and things like that. Or whether it's just a case of, well, if we make that one purple, they're a bit quirky. Yeah. And, and that, one's, that one's going to be a bit different. They're going to stand out for this reason. And that's why all the purple ones will do this and all the blue ones will do that. Not necessarily saying that's the case, but I mean... There are ways of looking at it in that, um, but yeah, you, I mean, just the, the the design of Doug. You would think, as the central focus, there would be a there would have been a greater deal of emphasis in designing him absolutely perfectly. Yeah, um, and like you, you know, you look at other cartoons and things. Are so Doug was consistent with his artwork, but it's everything is so much more polished when you look elsewhere. Yeah, and Doug deliberately wasn't. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know whether I mean I don't know whether that was. Um, to make it uh, to make it look more like the sort of the comics you'd have in the newspaper, or whether it was a case of that's the more stylistic um, directorial choice. In as much as well, if we have a character who's a bit fuzzy and a bit vague and a bit blurry and not not perfect at all, it then conveys more character. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was the thing. I don't know. To me, it just always felt very very deliberate to look like it was a comic strip. I mean, even when. Again, you draw the peanuts connection. You look at if you put Doug next to Charlie Brown. Yeah. The two are very, very similar in that the, even though they're children, they're kind of bald with a few strands of hair. Yeah. You know, and then you got Doug dressed in his in his tank top, which is yeah. bright green, and so everything's even in that kind of eight color, four color, whatever it is palette, which is why yeah. you've got the greens and the purples yeah. and the and the browns because you don't have that nuance of color. Everything is very flat. Yeah. It is this colour or this colour and it's bold and in your face, but it is, it is a flat colour. There's no there's no texture there at yeah. all. You don't get you don't get depths and shadows and mauves yeah. and you get it's green or it's purple or it's red or it's yeah. you know? Yeah. Right, so kind of just come on some of the background of the show then I'd say created by Jim Jenkins, um premiered in nineteen ninety one on Nickelodeon as the channel's first original animated content alongside Rugrats and Rugrats. The first one, I didn't realise that. I, yeah. For yeah. some reason I thought it came slightly late. Maybe it was just the order it aired in over here. It may have been, but the, the three uh, the three shows were blocked together. They they all appeared on the same day. Um, right. It was literally um I, I think it was Doug, Rugrats, 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 Rugr
in a block every day for however long it was. Right. Um, so original run consisted of 52 episodes over four seasons that were broadcast from 91 to 94. Uh, in 96, Disney acquired the series, uh, re retooling it with several creative changes, renaming it uh, to the brand spanking new Doug. Uh, and then was, then was eventually retitled Disney's Doug in 98. Um, aired for three years on ABC's Saturday morning lineup. Give a top-rated show inspiring various books, merchandise, a live musical stage show, which we'll come on to, and a theatrical feature. Oh, I've got stuff to say about the stage show. <laughs> I wasn't aware of it until I read this. Oh, I'm very much aware of the uh, stage show. <laughs> uh, and uh, a theatrical feature, Doug's first movie, uh, which I've forgotten about, um, which was released in 1999, now when the season ended. Uh, it was 117 episodes across seven seasons. Um, and yeah, so it, it was one of those, it ran a lot longer than I realised. There, there was a lot more output than I realised. I hadn't realised there, there were 100 plus episodes. No, I, I, I'll be honest, I think it's, I've, I've probably, well, I know I've not seen all of them. I've probably seen all of them in that original run at some point. Um, but I certainly think it's, it's the type of show, it's ripe for more. There's no reason this thing can't keep going here, mm. other than obviously money and commercial <laughs> success, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, it's the type of show that, cl that can just run and run and run because there's no grand overarching stories, no threat to be neutralised, yeah. there's no MacGuffin to be gotten. That's right. And I think the, the biggest challenge would be if you were to try and reboot it now would be to bring it in line with what kids are like now and what, what's available now. If, if you think like when, even when this finished in 99, like mobile phones weren't that widespread, smartphones yeah. weren't even a twinkle in somebody's eye. You know, it was a case of it was a, f a far, to sound really old, a simpler time. So to try and advance that now in the way that um, society's advanced in the, so the 20 years since it's been off air, it would be a, that would probably be a big challenge to recreating or to, to, to extending it. 20 years, that just frightened the fuck out of me. Dude. Yeah, I know. Um, be off air for 20 years. Yeah, that's... well, 19, I'll give you that. I mean, I mean that's right. Some of these shows we talk about, like things like Turtles and uh, Transformers and Thundercats and all of those, we'll, we'll throw those out. And I'm very aware that they're old shows. And so if you say something like, oh, yeah, 20 years, that's fine. Yeah. These Nick shows, because I was older, yeah. I, that's, that's fucking frightening. That is. Because uh, these still seem like relatively new, modern shows to me. Yeah, like I, I remember being in sixth form and... Um, talking about shows like Recess and um, Hey Arnold and stuff like that. Mm. And that was that was 20 years ago. Jesus Christ. You know, so when you look at things and you think, fucking hell, the things that I think I was being, I was being the older part of my childhood, I, I still don't think I'm that old. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's frightening that. Um, it's interesting you brought that up. I hadn't even thought about Hey Arnold, but that's probably a better frame for comparison for Doug than a Rugrats. I is. think... I think possibly Hey Arnold was a little bit later. Oh, it was much later. So yeah, I think yeah. it would probably would have been, it would have come about towards the end of, if not immediately after Doug finished. Yeah. Um, it was definitely later because by the time Hey Arnold came along, I mentioned that I was slap bang in the catchment zone for mm. Doug. I never connected with Hey Arnold. Didn't really like it, if I'm honest. And it probably was just that I was that bit older. Yeah. So those stories didn't really interest me anymore. Yeah, quite possibly. Um... But yeah, it's, it, it, it does worry me slightly when I'm saying, yeah, it's finished 20 years ago. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's fucking frightening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so talking about the show, it, it was originally on um, Nickelodeon. The reason it, um, the reason it was dropped, um, when this, they talk about spiralling production costs. Now, they don't give any numbers online. 
Um, but the reason Nickelodeon didn't pick it up for the fifth season, um, they, they had 13 episodes for the first four, uh, each season, first four seasons, and then they didn't pick it up because they said the costs were getting too high, but there was a two-year um, buyback um, option, and it was in the second year that ABC then said they wanted it. So then they commissioned more, but then ABC was picked up by Disney, which is how it ended up on Disney. So then, right. So basically, ABC wanted it, and then Disney went, well, we're kind of stuck with this, we'll take it, and then realised it was actually worth having, yeah. and, de and developed beyond that 13 episodes from, from the fifth season. So that's where um, six or seven came from as well. Um, so I'd, lo I'd, I'd love to see where the um, where sort of the figures were, how they justify uh, spiraling costs, because it, it's animated, so you know you don't have to, you're not building sets, you're not paying for no, crew and things like that. I think a lot of it was most likely voice talent. Quite possibly. Um, because when you consider it, by the, by the time we get to this point, things like Futurama mm. are thrown in the mix. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're having to pay your cast more if you want to retain them, which might be the reason behind the switch in voice cast as Could well. Could be. That's speculation. I don't know that. Yeah. Uh, that is what I suspect would happen. Quite but possibly. I mean, in, in true Disney style there, they've just ended up with a thing that they didn't even know they wanted. Yeah. And, and they it fucking took, took it and ran and it's with turned, it. And absolutely Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you mentioned the show, which went into, it would have been MGM Studios at the time. Mm. That thing was fucking great. I remember at one point as well, there was even Doug and Patty meet and greets. Like, they would they work were. around characters. Yeah. Um, that, they, that was kind of done in line with the movie. Yeah. Um, and then they, they quote-unquote retired, but they still pop up occasionally. You know, they do special events and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But that no. show was a genuine thing. Like it wasn't a throwaway. Mm. Like that was a real feature. It, it, yeah, it was only there for a couple of years, but it was a real big draw. Like yeah. that show attracted crowds, and it was fucking good. Mm. That like they'd have the beats on stage, and they'd pull people out of the audience to be in the beats and stuff. It's yeah. a good show. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'd say it's 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 fairly typical of Disney at the time, where they went, yeah, well, we'll yeah, we've got it, we'll do something with it, and then go, oh fuck, now this is actually really good. I mean, this is what Disney do, you know, there's a lot of complaints now about Disney IP, you know, Disney on Marvel and Disney on Star Wars, and people panic about it, it's like, no, look, this is what these guys do, they buy up IP that they have no clue what to do with, and then somehow, yeah, they, turn it into they just turn magic. it into absolute gold. Yeah, yeah, that's it, and I mean, like for me, the, there were a lot of complaints when they bought up Star Wars and stuff. Oh, well, they'll ruin it now, I said, well, no, they've always owned part of it, because you've had Star Wars MGM since the early 90s. yeah. If not earlier, so I mean they've always had a, had a bit of it, but it just means that they've got the resources to throw into it to keep on making it. Yeah, um, and once they own something, they don't allow it to fail. I think. No, it? especially if you're going to pay four billion quid, four billion dollars for it. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you yeah, don't, something like this. Yeah, it just came along as part of the ABC package. You say, yeah. And all of a sudden, you've got another show that they can drop into the afternoon block. Yeah, and exactly. And it took off. As I say, I I always felt with those Disney shows, they weren't. They weren't quite as good. Now, maybe that was because I was a bit older by the time those had rolled around. I think around. that's part of it, and I, but I think generally there's a bit of a backlash from fans of the original show um, that the Disney ones weren't as good, they weren't as nuanced, they weren't as... as they, weren't, they just weren't what people wanted. No. But I think part of it was the change in talent and the mm -hmm. change in team, but part of it would have been that the people who were clamouring for it... Were it, was, it was only yeah. a couple of years, but if you think of the difference between... Those are a big few years. A 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, yeah. a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. Those are big differences. Yeah, and I think it'd be interesting. I mean, I've, I've obviously rewatched some Doug for the show. I didn't rewatch the Disney stuff. I rewatched mm, the Disney yeah, stuff. Um, I think it would be interesting for me, and it's something actually I think I'll do, is to go back and watch some of those Disney ones now, because being 
removed from that and being a, a quote, mature adult now. Well, um, you're an adult, anyway. <laughs> I'll, I think I won't look at it with the same kind of, um, but perhaps slightly skewed view as I would have yeah. as a 14, 15 year old kid. I'll go, oh, that's kids TV. I'm not watching that. Yeah. Now I'll just love it for what it is. Yeah. And I think if I do that, I'll realise it. I don't think, there certainly wasn't a drop in quality on the Disney shows. Like, I, as I say, I remember the stage show and stuff hitting, and I remember watching them, and they were fine. I just didn't connect with them in the same way. So I'm sure if I watch them now, they'll be fine. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, I'd, I'd encourage anybody to do that anyway. I mean, I, I, I've not thought about Doug for years. It wasn't one of my favourites when I was younger anyway. Um, so when we talked about doing it, I thought, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give it a watch. And I sat down yesterday and thought, I'll, I'll put one or two on. And I was there for an hour. It just sucks you in. It's, it's an easy watch, is the thing. Because it's so episodic and because they're so short. Yeah. That's the thing. They are, in the same way that when we talked about Rescue Rangers, it was, it was the same thing. It's just episodic. Yeah. So, you know, well, in this case, about 10 or 11 minutes for a story. Yeah. And you're done. Yeah. If you're, if you're flicking through YouTube, you can watch a 10 minute episode, you're done. Yeah, that's it. Move on with your day. That's it. I mean, I think that that's part of the appeal as well. I mean, I, I, so I, I get the train to work at the moment, so I've, I've got 15 minutes on the train every morning. I can stick one of these watch on it and watch it on my phone while I'm on the way to work. Yeah. By the time I get off the train, it's finished. Yeah. And I'm not there, so I'm, I'm not one of these zombies trying to watch my phone while I'm walking down the street and walking into people. Yeah. I walk into them, so I don't like them. Um, but yeah, so it's it's definitely um, it's definitely sort of come back to me in a better way than it um, than it presented in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, Talking about the. Um, the uh, so the, the origins and development so it started life as um as a children's book which didn't get picked up um created by jim jenkins um from richmond virginia um which is where he, he based a lot of the town on so it's, it's a lot of people who he grew up with would have recognized certain stores certain characters certain events oh, okay i didn't realize it was that kind of yeah it's, it was sort of the, the initial idea was to like um, kind of thing. i didn't realize that yeah was... it was um originally the character was going to be called brian um, it was it was a character based on his own life and Brian, Brian. Brian, but it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Um, so it was originally called Brian, which he later changed to Doug. Um, but the um, he, he sketched he, he sketched the character. It was just a doodle he did. It wasn't based on himself. But then it, so the the story was sort of semi autobiographical. Um, in eighty four, his career took a turn for the worse as well as his personal life. He had a rough breakup and sustained injuries in a biking accident. During his time, he gave a new outlook on life and desired to create a place where there was no overdue rent, no delinquent phone bills, and started doodling and formed the basis of Bluffington. So he actually took the time while he was recuperating to build a better world, effectively. So my life sucks, I'll make a new one. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what a storyteller's... Yeah, that we tend to do. It's the thing, the, the things that, when, when you write anything or when you put anything together, it's a case of, right, well, what is it that I would change? Yeah. What is it about my life? Now, a lot, now, some, sometimes that's not the case, but... When you first start out writing, and there's that thing of write what you know. Okay, well, I write about the things that I know that suck, but I would do so much better if I could do over, or if I had different resources or different mm-hmm. opportunities. And that's kind of where it came from. He built, he had this, his own world was imploding. He thought, fuck it, just gonna make, write it that, better. That comes through as well. As I say, it is very kind of small town Americana, but it, it is that, even though it's not set in that kind of 50s cupcake time period, it yeah. does definitely throw back to that yeah and he is quite rose tinted yeah i mean um the guy was born in 1953 so his childhood and it would have been at would that have been time of, yeah uh, through the 50s and into the early 60s so yeah. you know, he would have been all about that mm. um 
So then, um, talking about, uh, we talked about the design and so this, the current design. Um, early drawings were um, identified alongside friend David Campbell at a small Mexican restaurant in New York City. He credited the character's odd colouring uh, to a margarita stupor. So basically they were pissed and decided that was... So this true. wasn't a conscious choice no, to make it look like a comic book at all. Well, how fucking stupid do I feel? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, like, let this be a lesson to anyone listening as well, right? Yeah, Just research your friend. No, not even research it, right? Just for the record, for anybody, particularly that's a student at the moment, right? When you're sat through fucking classes about mise-en-scene yeah, and where there's choice, there's meaning and all... Right? Yeah, okay, to a certain extent, but 90% of this is absolute bollocks. Yeah, absolutely. Things are the way they are because they just are. Yeah. It may have been cheaper. Someone may have been pissed. Yeah, it may, they may have been... I've heard a story about... I can't remember which show it was. It was... Um, it was one of the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, and one of the characters was coloured the way they were because somebody bought the wrong ink. There you go. And they had to produce the output by whatever date it was. So it was a case of, well, we can either wait three days and lose three days worth of animating, or we can just get on with what we've got. So instead of being blue, it was green or something like that. And that's just how it went. And so, so yeah, sometimes, you know, where choice is meaning, other times you go with what you've got, otherwise you don't get paid. Yeah. I, I mean, there's always with this choice, there's always meaning, but the meaning might be... That was a hell of a lot cheaper and I want to save some money. Well, yeah, that's it. Uh, it might not necessarily be that, yeah, we really wanted this to look like a comic strip, so we used the palette in order to invoke that, but no, no, no. we were pissed. Yeah, that's it. Margarita stupid. That's going to be my thing. Yeah, many think of blaming everything. Yeah, margarita stupid. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'll start drinking margaritas. Um, so... It's a little bit gay. Alcohol. Are we going to get complaints for that? I didn't mean that in a derogatory sense, okay? <laughs> we may just have to cut that bit out. Um, so, yeah, so um, once they'd done the design and had their Margarita Stuber, Campbell suggested he make Doug into a children's book titled Doug Got a New Pair of Shoes, which was rejected by all of New York's publishing houses. Um, Simon and Schuster was interested, but management changed before it purchased the pitch, and the new management didn't like it. So, the character made his first animated appearance in 1988 Florida Grapefruit Grows commercial. Uh, it was used in the 1989 what promotional... The fuck? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what the fuck? Florida grapefruit growers. Dude's got to get paid. I mean, yeah, that's a payday, so I'm sure he was celebrating. But can you imagine being sat and going, yes, Doug's been picked up, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? The Florida fucking grapefruit <laughs> growers association. Dude's got to get paid. Fucking hell. But, um, it was also used for 1989 promotional bumper for the USA Network. That's better. So yeah, at least that's to do with TV. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the character first appeared um, in, in 88. Um, so meanwhile, the cable network Nickelodeon was aiming to expand its content and find creative auteurs, began to search for anim animators to develop the first version animated series. So that's where you had um, Doug and Rugrats and Lance Nimby came mm -hmm. um, It was a big part of that from Nickelodeon was to do with the cost because they, they'd already picked up three licensed characters. They picked up um, Where's Wally or Where's Waldo? And they picked up turtles. It's Wally. It's Wally. I, I, I know it's actually Waldo. Yeah, but yeah. What the fuck is Waldo anyway? That's not a name. That's not a thing. Well, exactly. But yeah. At least Wally sounds like a person's name. Yeah. And he does look like a Wally, so it makes sense. Like, yeah, I don't get the Waldo thing. No, I don't either, but it's American. Sorry, Americans, but, but you're wrong. I'm um, <laughs> but wasn't it an American character? Which it was. No, it is actually Waldo. We are wrong. Yeah. But Wally is clearly the better way to go. Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, so they already had, Nickelodeon had a lot of these shows with, uh, which they were paying licenses for, and they were paying other people for the privilege, so they wanted to create their own content, which mm -hmm. is where that block of three came from. Um, and yeah, so the, the rest of it, the rest of it's history, you know, so the fact that it went on to run for so long, 
and went to another network and still ran on, I think, some testament to it. Um, and the fact that it could then spawn a theatrical show and a, a, a movie and, and a, a film. I've never seen the film. I've um, forgotten all about it, I've got to be honest. I would like to watch it. I think I might actually track it down. I don't know how you stretch Doug to, I guess it's 70, 80 minutes. I'd imagine so, yeah. I don't know how you do that because it's not... There is no kind of grand stage for Doug. So I... I Unfortunate. I don't know, and I'm judging it without seeing it. But in my head, and it's probably why I didn't watch it at the time, I very much feel like it's just going to be a long episode. Yeah, I mean, I it's think it's not going to take a step. You know, I mean, if you look at the um, the, Rug- the first Rugrats movie and various other sort of film iterations of things that have come from shorter, you know, from episodic shows, you kind of you have it's a bigger episode, but there's a there's sort of a grander purpose to it. So there will be a MacGuffin. There will be, uh, an, there will be one overarching story to it. But then I feel like that's not Doug. Yeah. You know? So I think the, the movie came under Disney, though, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, the movie came in 99. The movie, the movie actually came once the show finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's... You, you get the impression it would... No, it just had the, the Disney treatment of it. It was... Yeah. The, the same people wrote... No, the same people kept on writing the episodes and kept on making the episodes. And then it's like, well, okay, we, we can make a film of this. We make more money out of this. Yeah. But we kind of need to just... Disney it up a bit. Yeah. So there would have been a far grander story, a far more elaborate plot. Are there songs? I don't know. I bet there are songs. I us have a look. Probably by the beats, but I bet there are songs. Uh, probably are. Theatrical feature length film, Doug's first movie was released in March 1999 before production on the television show ceased. Didn't say we would costume versions of Doug and Patty were seen in Disney World. No, it doesn't say. Like, I, I'd imagine it works. Like, I know the, the Rugrats film, that was... Yeah. That was a musical, it was annoying as piss. I'm going to take a stab in the dark. Never seen the movie, never seen a trailer for it, I just know it exists. I bet you the plot in some way revolves around the Beats or a Beats concert, and they are extensively involved in the soundtrack. Yeah, that's probably a fair guess. That is a pure guess. If I'm right, then happy days. If I'm wrong, then I sound like an idiot. But that that's where I'd go with it. But if he is wrong and it sounds like a good idea, copyright ass, fuck off. Uh, yeah, if that's <laughs> going to be the plot for Doug 2, then it's mine, okay? <laughs> I came up with it. And obviously Quail Man's got to be involved this somewhere as well, but probably in order to overcome some sort of obstacle in Doug's way in getting to the beat concert with Patty, Quail Man needs to get involved. That's where I go with the, with the Doug movie. Yeah, that's a, probably sounds about right. So, uh, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll see anyway. Um, oh, here we go. So there's a quote about the, um, the writing then. Um, Jenkins characterised the series not entirely autobiographical, but emotionally accurate to his childhood experiences. So we were talking about earlier about some yeah. people related. I think that's probably the best best description I've ever heard of it on a show like this is that it's emotionally accurate. Because I think I mean, that's all you can aim to be and I think the only detriment would be the benefit of hindsight if he's not writing it until he's in his 30s. Yeah. How he feels about his childhood and his childhood experience may differ very greatly from how he felt about his 20s as opposed to in his late teens as to at the time. So it's, yeah. it's, pro- it's probably quite romanticised I'd have thought. Yeah. But... You know, not to his detriment, I don't think. No. Okay, so I've got the plot for Doug's first movie. Um, yeah, I'm wrong. But, okay. So, to summarise then, Doug and Skeeter discover a monster that lives in Lucky Duck Lake. Uh, they are scared of him, believing he's evil, but then find him out to be nice. Uh, okay, so it's all about the monster. It's essentially E.T. with Doug. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so again, entirely unrelated to what the series was about. 
Yeah, I very much suspect it was probably a story that Disney had kicking around and bolted Doug onto it. Yeah, that's what it well. sounds like reading this. Um, hey, no, from what I can tell here, the beats don't really don't feature. feature at all. However, there is the Funky Town nightclub. Right. So maybe there's music in it that way. But yeah, okay. Okay. So, so yeah. Talking about music then, um, just quite a long section on the wiki page about it. Um, Jake Nibbs was very involved in the show's music. One of the show's most notable elements was his unique soundtrack, which we discussed, which is co- consists of various mouth sounds by voice actor Fred Newman. That is a great... I, I described it as exactly that, didn't yeah. I? Sounds from people's mouths. Yeah. Um, the quote from Jenkins is, Fred showed me how you could take a guitar and use a tuna can filled with water and stump your finger. So basically it was, we'll just make a shitload of noise. We won't think about it, we'll just make some noises. Yeah. Um, so then you, you've got the Beats which you mentioned which is played on the Beatles um, and the, the band's members obviously officially uh, resemble Ringo Starr I was going to say they're not really the Beatles they were kind of Ringo Starr's in it but then uh, Robert Plant is I was going to say uh, yeah they were they were kind of an amalgam of British rock groups yeah they were it wasn't solely kind no. of the Beatles I, I don't think they'd have got away with just doing the Beatles because they'd probably been sued Especially being called the Beats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, making them a as a very generic band mm. with fairly iconic uh, people in it. I mean, the the beetroot thing though, just to touch on. I know we've said it's quirky, but the beetroot thing always struck me as really fucking weird, especially as a kid. Yeah. Like, beetroot is just. I, I don't know why beetroot. It's gross. Yeah, it's this fucking gross thing. But it's fair. It's it stands out. Oh, it definitely does. And I, I just can't. I don't know. I can't understand the, the beetroot thing. It must have some significance. I've not this seen, choice, there's meaning. I've not seen um, any significance for it. Um, I'd, I'd imagine you're right. There would have been a reason for it. I've not seen anything. Maybe, again, they were really pissed and just wanted to know what would be really fucking funny is <laughs> if they loved beetroots. Like, yeah. everybody went fucking crazy for beetroots. Maybe. Like, I could understand it if the town was, like, surrounded by beetroot farms and they yeah. had, like, a beetroot day and an annual beetroot competition. But yeah. I don't get it. Uh, no, I don't know. Um, it's it, I've never really thought about it, but because it, it, you've had that in cartoons since the year dot, and you pop over the spinach and other. So they've yeah, yeah, yeah. always had fixations on something. Spinach. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but spinach I kind of get. Broccoli I kind of get. Beetroot. But maybe it's just because it hadn't been done before. It may as well have been fucking potatoes. Yeah. It's it's just a boring normal root. Veg. Yeah, but think. again, if we're, if we're looking at a show that's of normalising things, I guess, possibly, yeah. yeah no, it's something that's, it's a little bit better. No, I can't stand beef, I've got to be honest. It's, it's, it's gross. That's, I think that's what. That's probably why you can't yeah. identify with it. But if you think about it, if you think of potatoes, potatoes are boring and dull and everyday. Um, yeah. No. It's, yeah, it's, again, it's that kind of surrealist, yeah, just normalising something that's perhaps not normal, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, you don't yeah. just suddenly start munching on a beetroot or drinking beetroot juice. Yeah. Not unless you're a vegan or something. Yeah. Uh, Some sort of hippie. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Tree-hugging hippies and all that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, I've never got that. I've got where we were. We're talking about the music, weren't we? The beats. Um, we were talking about the beats. talking about the beats, yeah. Um, so, um, one, of the, one of the comments here is they have a penchant for endless reunion tours, uh, with the, which owes to the Who. Nice. <laughs> nice little touch. I do remember him always being on a reunion yeah. tour, but I, I guess at the time I never made the connection to the Who, but now yeah. you know, it makes um, 
and Jenkins always viewed serious music as a as an accent of storytelling, so it was always important at the whole point of it. Yeah. And you had in the early nineties there were lots of um Saved by the Bell type shows um on Kids TV and there were a couple of those that, revol- that revolved around bands. Um and yeah. it's the similar sort of thing that you no, know, what they haven't been singing about that week or what they haven't have a song about that week is kind of yeah, which is why I thought they'd be involved in the film. Because yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. They would always it would end in a song about what's going on that week. Yeah. Like, they never did that no. beat, but that would have seemed like the natural way. Yeah, the natural progression for it. To, yeah, to go. Yeah. So I mean, it's, yeah, it is interesting. And I said, I'd forgotten. I knew the beats were there. I'd forgotten how important the sort of. The, They're the, a huge part of this world. And like I said, yeah. I mean, I I wasn't that into it at the time, and it's only coming back to it now, watching. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, but so it, it was just hadn't, what hadn't really stuck with me um, but the whole thing of the music it's um, it, it, it's part of the show it's part, it's part of every story um, and so it's a, deliberate, it's a deliberate attempt to deviate from the standard family cartoons uh, which traditionally followed the works of Carl Starling um, the most complicated piece of music created for the series was the opening sequence which was recorded preceding animation rather than the typical method of composing it afterwards so they actually had the music they did that first animated to it, animated to it yeah. which fucking ballsy man yeah yeah because if you get if you get that step out, get a couple of frames out on that, you're all over the shop. And it was a weird thing. I remember. I don't know whether this was a change between series or not, but I always remember at one point, not at the start, but at the end, they'd have like they'd intercut the music, and I really remember this because they they did it because Pork Chop used to listen to stuff through headphones. Yeah. And then they would intercut. Let me get this right now. I think Porkchop used to listen to it and Doug would take the headphones off either that or the other way around and the music would change yeah. but then they seem to drop it. It's in it's in less episodes than than the other version then which would just play a closing theme. Only in the first season. Alright, there you go then. I've got it here. I was just going to read that. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, in the closing credits for the first season of Nickelodeon's Doug two different pieces of music would play. The first piece would be taken from the second story in the episode. During the last third, Porkchop would don the headphones and listen to music from the first story, immediately drowning out the original background music and anger in Doug. Subsequent seasons, where we would use a single piece of music for their closing credits, despite using the same animation, starting with the Disney series of credits, we use Doug chasing Porkchop to the left and right while the credits play. There you go, there. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I remembered, I remembered that. I didn't remember from it was from the show until I rewatched it. I remember a sequence of somebody having headphones and music changing, yeah. being taken off and it changes back. And Yeah, it was really clever. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't realize it was from this show until I until I went back yeah, and yeah. watched it. Um, but again, it's the music is such an important part of it to, to actually go to the extent of doing that in your credits. I know you only animate it once and you just change the music. And it's always no, the animation is always the yeah. same. So you only have to do the work once. But it just seems that a need a needless effort if you look at no no other show does that. No, no, it's yeah. You can't understand why they made. Yeah, but it's just another one of those little weird touches that. Yeah, but it's it's memorable and it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I think because of the fact the music is so important to the show and to the stories that you get to sort of just remind people if people actually sit through the credits and are also are sat there because they're waiting for the next show to come on because that was finished, they're actually going to go. They're actually remembering that story that they've just watched. Yeah, yeah. Because you no, know, with kids as well, the attention span isn't great. So if you what if you've got two stories. Well, it's had the second one, you've forgotten the you've first one. You've got the first one, yeah. So yeah. just to have that, that musical cue to remind them. Yeah. It's quite an interesting way of, uh, of keeping it going. Yeah. No, it is, and, and the music very much, like you say, they viewed the music as important to the show, and it is, I can't think of Doug without thinking of that weird acapella yeah. sound. I, I can't. It's just ingrained in me. It's, it's a part of this show to me. You know, it's that. In a way that, 
again, I guess, when you think of something, you know, let's just take Rescue Rangers as an example because we've done it recently then, um, I don't think of the theme as part of the show. I love the theme, but the theme is but the it's theme. not the first thing I think of. The theme is the theme and the show is the show. Yeah. This is all kind of a hold to me. If I think of Doug, I instantly think of that. Do, 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 do. It's the first thing I think of. Yeah. Before I even think about any characters, it's just that that theme is there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is quite interesting because I say, as you said, most most kids shows, especially, will have a very iconic, very memorable, um, very simple theme tune, which has got a good hook to it. Mm-hmm. So talking about. Um, rescue Rangers. I'm talking about turtles as a prime example. Yeah, it's it's very loud. It's, it's very in your face. It's very yeah. aggressive. It's very yeah. I say it's in your face. Um, and because of that, it stands out. And you remember that. And then if you don't necessarily remember particular episodes or particular bits, you remember the theme song. With Doug, it's kind of the reverse. It's like it's almost easy to forget the theme song until you start thinking about the show. Yeah. Rather than using it as a, as an aid memoir. Yeah. So it's it's quite interesting that it's gone the other way, because again it's. it's because of the way it's done, it's so clever and so subtle. Mm. You just don't expect it, really. And I think that's half the problem is that you know, with these other shows, and, and again, look at things like Ulysses and Jace and stuff like that, these theme tunes have lasted better than the shows. They're fucking epic. Yeah. But they're their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is quite interesting. Again, I've not really thought about it. Mm. So, uh, moving through the timeline then. So, we moved to um, moved to Disney um, in 96. Um they they changed quite a lot. Um, obviously, they've talked about changing the cast, which was a mm-hmm. was a big thing. They changed some of the aesthetics. That they changed the um, the title card and stuff for like that as well. So just yeah, just changing the colours and things. And I, I I think it was just some Disney trying to put their own stamp on it. So, so to, to say to people, look, yes, okay, it's the same show, but it's our it's our show. Yeah, it's not what you've seen before. So it's it was Disney's dog. Yeah, it was it was at first it was um brand spanking new show yeah. or whatever it was and then it was Disney's, uh, Disney Doug mm-hmm. because I think they needed pe- they needed to differentiate between the two shows um, because realistically especially by the time it had been off the air I think people would have thought well they just bought it to put it on TV and it's going to be stuff I've already seen Yeah. so they had to really do something to show it as being new um, so yeah so um, Disney purchased ABC um, also purchased in Doug and a multi-million dollar deal with Jenkins and Campbell the deal involved buying Jumbo Pictures and signing them to five year contracts with stock options to be Disney executives so basically it was right ABC picked you up we kind of have to do a deal so yeah. we'll do it but they they recognised the value of the, the team behind it as well so, they, so tying the team into, into contracts and giving them producer roles as yeah. well it was kind of ensuring the continuity of the show it wasn't a case of well, we've bought the rights to it now fuck off and we'll do, some, we'll do our own thing with it yeah. and probably killing it to be fair because yeah, without yeah. having um, Chickens of Campbell well, there is no it. show there is there yeah I mean you could get somebody else into writing but it's not going to have the heart it's not going to have the knowledge it's, no. it's not going to have the same I don't know have the same love effect, you know, the, no. the, the people who've created it are going to do a lot more it's, yeah, with it's it. clearly a very personal show yeah so I mean um Yes, I mean, I think Disney recognised that. And again, we've talked about Disney before and so this era of Disney. There, there was some very good business went on. Yeah, oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, we talked about... Again, this is Eisner here. Yeah, we, so. we, we talk about Eisner sort of getting a lot of flack and some of it is deserved and some, and, I mean, some of it from the production side and some of the actual yeah. business side of it, I think is, is fairly harsh. Um, the other thing Disney did, which is, again, a stroke of genius is that not only they pick up the rights to the show, they bought the rights to all future merchandise. If anybody even wants to produce the logo... They pay in Disney. They pay in Disney. I mean, that's a very Disney thing to yeah, do. It's but, 
it's we'll buy up the rights to absolutely yeah, we'll, we'll buy the rights to the air the, the, the right that the, the artist breathed yeah and we'll sell you that you know, it's, I mean to be fair though ain't nobody buying a Doug action figure or a Doug t-shirt or a I don't, I don't know because you say that but when you look at places like Forbidden Planet some of the stuff they've got in there stuff like Doug is kind of right for it I thought yeah I guess I mean I, I can see, I can very much see Doug becoming a hipster thing if yes. it's going to catch on again he's going to be a hipster oh thing. god yeah and people are going to like the Nickelodeon Doug and not the Disney Doug. Because like that the, was the original Doug. Yeah, Disney Doug's evil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it ruined, it ruined the franchise. But that, if, if it was going to catch on at all now, that is yeah. how I would see it going. It is definitely a, a kind of... Because, just because it's so quirky, you know? Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, so it's quite funny. Um, so talking about um, talking about the Disney transition then... Um, Due to the gap in time between the seasons run Nickelodeon and the beginning of ABC, there were several creative changes. Uh, Billy West, the original voice of Doug, I was placed by Tom McHugh. Disney couldn't afford West as his famous group from voice of the characters Ren and Stimby as well as other animated properties. Jenkins argues he'd worked hard to keep West on the series, claiming the deal with the company often was breaking their budget. Um, despite not returning to Disney version in 2013, West mentioned that he'd, he'd like Nickelodeon to resume production with the original Doug and return to the role in the character. So... He'd be up for it. I think the future has been cancelled about four times. He's not getting paid anymore. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there, there seems to be a great deal of nostalgia for even from the people who made it for the original. Doug. For the original, yeah, yeah. Um, many original staff members regard the Disney run as inferior. Um, Jenkins was less hands-on regarding production of the show as Disney episodes due to other responsibilities. Uh, and he said, "I mostly agree with uh, Doug fans who think the original 104 11-minute Doug story, so the original 52 episodes, uh, made for Nick were the best." Um, David Campbell felt the Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon episodes were quirkier and better um, whilst Constance Shulman felt the voice recording sessions were not the same when the show's new incarnation I missed having the gang crammed in a small studio waiting for their turn on the big group scene uh, someone just did the magic of it so the whole thing of how it became a, an industrial process it, yeah. Yeah. it became right okay well we've got to record your lines so you're in the booth and everybody else will fuck off and do their own thing then we get you and, then, and they didn't have that, sort of, that team spirit that camaraderie no. Um, that they seem to have had in the Nickelodeon one. So I think, I don't think the people involved in the Di- in the Disney version were as critical as the people who were let go. Yeah. But I think that just generally does seem to be this feeling that it wasn't the same show, even from the people who made it. Yeah. And that they weren't working on the same product anymore. They weren't doing the same job anymore. No. So I mean that's that was quite it's it's quite damning really. Um, it, it it very much feels, I think even even the early Nickel- Nickelodeon shows. It feels like kind of it's almost the little show that could. Do you know what I mean? It, it, was, yeah. it was never going to be a big hitter, but then to all of a sudden step up to work on a stage with somebody like Disney, it had to it had to evolve and had to take that step because Disney going to want to see results. Yeah, well, that's right. Simple as that. They're not they're not just playing to its core audience then who who appreciate it for what it is. They're playing to everybody and they have to because oh, they yeah. want to be selling comics and stuff. Yeah, they're, they're playing to the gallery. It's yeah, yeah. Any, if, if, if somebody's going to put an arse in a seat and come and watch the show, we want to watch. We want them to get something out of it. Yeah. Meaning that we want them to keep on watching so they'll go out and buy the merchandise. Yeah. Which, as it's Disney, it's not, that's what Disney is for. Um, so yeah, you're right. And I think that yeah, I think it, I, it's horrible and cynical, but that's the entertainment business. It is. That's right. Um, Symbols. That is. So, and I think yeah, I think that a lot of people feel it did go downhill there. I think they're probably right. Yeah. Um. I mean, as, as we said earlier, the quality didn't diminish as such. I just think that. I don't think so. I think it was just different. Yeah, and I think that possibly going back to it now, as you said, going back to it now would probably be a bit different to looking at the time where where I mean, I, I didn't make the transition. I wasn't that bothered about the show. 
But for, for you, having watched it as a 10, 11, 12 year old yeah. boy, to watching it as a 15, 16, 17 year old, yeah. you've changed, but if the show's changed as well, it's not what you remember, you're not going to get on with it. No. And you just kind of think, oh, fuck it, I can't bother anymore. Yeah. And that's probably where a lot of the criticism comes to the people who liked the original run. It wasn't aimed at them anymore. No. And like you look at the Disney product at the time, stuff like Recess we've talked about, it was aimed at, yeah, it was aimed at that sort of pre-teen audience. Yeah. So you're never going to be drawing in your 14, 15, 16 year olds who, who liked the pre-teen show when they were pre-teens. But it didn't necessarily have the same appeal to the next batch. To of the next teens. batch, no. So I, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one. I think. Unfortunately, I think Disney are damned if they do and damned if they don't. A lot of the yeah, time. because they're Disney. Yeah. Um, but you know, they took a punt on it, they kept it going for another couple of years. You know, yeah. they, they, they doubled the number of episodes that were made. Yeah, I mean, look, it comes back to this thing where people will complain about Disney Star Wars and Disney Marvel and and everything. It's like, look, it's more of a thing that you like. Yeah. So just be happy that you have more of a thing that you like. It might not be as good. Yeah, it might not be the same. But it exists. If you don't want it because you don't like it anymore, don't watch it. That's fine. That's your choice. You either want this thing or you don't. But if it's a thing that you like, then, like me with Star Wars I'll happily watch all the Star Wars films that Disney crank out because it's more of a thing that I like Yeah. at a point where I don't like them anymore just I don't watch them anymore that's it just walk away Simples. and you it. do the same thing with, with that well it's the same with anything isn't it you just yeah. know, you, you, you like it while you like it and as soon as you don't like it you think right okay well I, I don't need I'm not going to watch that anymore I don't get anything out of it so I'm not going to do it yeah um, we talked um, talked about some of the themes um, and some of it being quite a quite a normal show quite a no, sort of an everyday show um the whole sort of coming of age aspect of it wasn't as you know, a lot of coming of age shows tend to be about relationships and about focusing on sort of that gro- that part of growing up mm-hmm. and sort of developing that side of character where as a child it's yes you have friends and that yes you see other people but your worldview is you and then your immediate circle and then the wider world and the coming of age shows tend to sort of break you out to that and sort of the, effectively guide you out to that in such a way that Yes, we know you're going through this because we went through this as well. So we kind of, we put the characters in your situation. And by the time you get out of it in some four or five years and you become a young adult, you are prepared because you've been through these yeah. journeys. Um, and a lot of the, so this kind of had some different themes. It had, had a lot more of the, the realistic themes you'd have to, to life where things like um, good deeds don't always get rewarded, not handsomely rewarded. And things yeah. like that. There's an episode, um, is it Doug and the Money? I think it's where he finds a wallet or a purse with a load of money in it, which belongs to an old lady. And the episode by him getting it back to the old lady. And in the end, he, I think he's given a, a pack of chewing gum or something as a, as a reward. Yeah. Which would have been, I think, for if there's $100 in the purse, it would have been a 20 cents worth of uh, yeah, yeah. reward. But the point is but he gave the, the money point, back. The point is yeah. he gave the money back. It was a moral story. He he's emotionally richer. Yeah. And he was rewarded. He had a, uh, a pack of chewing gum he didn't have before. However, he could have spent $100 on a shitload of chewing gum. Yeah. But it was that thing of, of, um, of being rewarded for doing the right thing. The reward isn't necessarily worth the effort. And I think that's always an important lesson. Yeah. You, know, you don't always get out what you put in. Yeah. Um, but again, it's that sort of thing that you need to... As a as that sort of age person, that, that sort of preteen um, ch- child, it's worth learning that lesson. Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, you you kind of see it now where kids get medals for participating and certificates for turning up. That's not that's not real life. No. You don't get rewarded for turning up. No. So I mean, if you phone it in, you don't get you don't get the good result out of it. And I think this is a, this is an important lesson that came out of this show, and you don't always see that. And in most kids shows, certainly at the time, and I don't watch. 
that much kids TV in at this age group um, uh, at the moment. But it always used to be that you did the right thing and something good happened as a yeah. result. So, okay, you may have got the sticking on. He may have got the, the pack of chewing gum or whatever it was. But then, no, I don't know, he'd have, no, there'd be an ice cream, ice cream truck giving away free ice cream on the way home or something. Yeah. Because there's a bigger reward karmically than... The, but this show didn't have that. It was just, well, yeah, okay, thanks, you did, you did a nice thing, but... Yeah, yeah. More for you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting lesson. Um, and it's, there's, a, a, again, another quote from Jenkins. Jenkins has spoken quite a lot about sort of the character and what, the way he developed the show. I said, well, we put ourselves through enormous pain to avoid pain. And I had this notion of, what if we didn't do that? What if we just told the truth? Um, it's That's complicated. In the adult world, the notion of truth and not truth is complicated. But I didn't want to debate it. I didn't want uh, the show the show would be about the ambiguity of being an adult life uh, when it's aimed at kids. I wanted to show kids a world where everyone's honest, uh, everyone took honesty seriously. So you've got, you're trying to build this moral world where, yeah, okay, we do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, not because we think we're getting something out of it. Yeah. And it's only when you get to be a young adult into an adult that you actually get that more cynical worldview. And I think from what we said before and the reading of it, I think it's very much a deliberate attempt by the makers to keep that sort of childhood innocence. And the, the fact that this, this was coming about in the early to mid nineties um, by people who were children in the mid fifties, early sixties, it's trying to hark back to that worldview of what was even though we, we, as I mentioned earlier about some rebooting it now and rebooting a show from a simpler time, they'd have been doing the same then. Yeah, that no, the nineties was a, was a was a far different time to the fifties and the sixties. Yeah, so, so it's yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, uh, the the way it came about. Um, we talked about the colors of the characters earlier, and I I sort of suggest that you know there may have been a random aspect to it, or there may have been a sort of slightly more racial aspect to it. I don't know. Um, after the show finished, um, obviously the internet became quite large. I don't know if it's still about. Um. But yeah, no. It, at the time, it became it became it was becoming a far larger thing um, than uh, than it had been doing the show's run, and there's a lot of discourse about um, characters and sort of, um, racial stereotypes. Okay. So um, Skeeter. Um, That's interesting because I I never really. No, I I'd never read it like that. Put either. race on to Doug. I'm interested to see where this is going. Okay. Apart from Doug is obviously white. Doug is obviously white. Um, after series completion, much online debate ensued over the race of Doug's best friend Skeeter who some viewers felt exhibited traits of stereotypical African-Americans and subsequently drew the conclusion the character was indeed uh, intended to be African-American. Uh, Jenkins did not envision this discourse on the series cards. When creating the show, we came across as uh, 200 design mar uh, markers and employed an array of bright wild colours for the characters. He told the Hampton Post in 2014 the series cards came to symbolise the irrelevance of race. So I mean, Good on him. Absolutely. Because, like, right, okay, here's the thing. If you're saying that Skeeter has African-American traits and therefore must be black, that is your issue. Absolutely. No one else's. Because I've, I've never actually... I mean, we touched on it earlier on. Everybody's a weird, funky colour in this show. Yeah. And as a result of that, you don't have Hispanic or African-American or... Because nobody is represented by their skin colour. No. They're or all by their culture or yeah, anything else. They're, they're all different colours and they're all people. So if you feel the need to read into that, then that is a deep-seated issue I, that you have I with race. Well. I, mean, I, get, I, I get this quite a lot. And it happened recently. It's happened with a lot of things. Um, people looking at early Simpsons, people looking at Friends and things like that. People are talking about how un-PC they are and how, um, how many problems they have with them. But you, you've got to take them as a product of their time as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at something like Love Thy Neighbour, you've never made that now. No. But at the time, it was no. It was accepted. It was, it was accepted. It wasn't necessarily 
overly well liked. No. Some of the attitudes were a bit, you know, now would be mm-hmm. downright unacceptable. At the time, some people felt they were a bit inappropriate. Um, you look at characters like Alf Garnet, you, you couldn't do those characters now because they're just downright fucking... Yeah, yeah they're racist. Yeah, yeah. No, and uh, you have um, homoph- they were always homophobic jokes or mm. the jokes based on race or based on class. You can't do that now because everybody's very sensitive about everything. And uh, don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't see the point in belittling anybody based on anything other than their character. If somebody's a dickhead, call them a dickhead. If they're a dick, they're a dick. They're not a dick because they're, they're not because they're black or because they're yeah, gay or because yeah. whatever. If they're you're a, a dick, dick because they're a dick, that's it. Yeah. Um, but there's this number. There's this thing that pe- you can't. People want to sort of rewrite history. You can't. You're not going to go back to the early '90s and rewrite Friends. No. Because it's a predominantly white show. No. It just doesn't. You've got to take things as 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 where they've come from, and it's the same with this show. And the good, in all fairness, good on um, Jenkins for yeah, coming yeah, up good and on him. Yeah. Most people are just going, oh fuck, I'm not even responding to that. So actually, make a point of saying, no, that's the whole point of having multiple colours is that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Don't know. That's why they're not all purple. No, they're not all green. But again, coming back to it, that's that's my reading of it, and it was my reading of it when I watched it again this time. I, as a child, I'd never even noticed something like this, to be honest. But now I looked at it, and again, I made the comparison to, okay, well, that's because they're comic colours. And I did read into the fact that also then there's this big homogenous melding pot of people and colours. Doug and his sister are not even the same colour from what I remember, are they? No, no, they are. I don't think they are. I can't remember. I don't think they are. I can't remember. She wasn't in some of the episodes that I rewatched, so I could be wrong there, but I don't think they are. Anyway, I digress. Um, the point I was getting at is that we're, we're looking at this now and we're in that. It's quite possible the reason they're all different colours has nothing to do with race, religion, or anything other than, fuck me, I had 12 margaritas and started colouring people in purple. Yeah. That or, it could just yeah. be that or these are. I had a purple pen to hand and I didn't have a pink one there. Yeah. Or I didn't it, have a green one or a yellow one. So it they that, that, doesn't that's that matter if they're fucking black, brown, no. tea bag coloured. It doesn't no, it matter. Makes, it makes no odds whatsoever. The, the point, they're people and they're characters. That's it. And that's, that's where it's important. I think people get very hung up on that. And I think it's very easy to go back and criticise things that A, you'll never change, yeah. and B, aren't around to defend themselves. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's the most most producers of content at the time would have come out and said, fuck it, I'm not going to respond to that. The fact this guy is actually, no, we were making a point. Yeah. And the point is that because of people like you who have drawn this comparison, we felt the need to make the point. Yeah, I, I think had, had Skeeter been coloured particularly dark then, if it, had he been yeah. depicted as being an African-American and being black yeah. and had these characteristics, then yes. yes, we could say that is a racist portrayal. But he's not. He has these characteristics because he just happens to have them because of the part of his character. He walks around honking because That's he walks he around honking. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned it earlier. It seems bizarre to me. I don't know why he does it. Yeah. But he that, just does. But that's not a commentary. Though. It's not as if you get all the people who are the same colour going around honking. Yeah. It's, no, it's, that's not the way it's done. It, no. no it's, it's not... Oh yeah, we'll have a dig of black people here because we'll have them go around honking. What the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. It just no, that's not the case. No. But unfortunately, unfortunately, especially nowadays, because everyone has a platform, everyone can get things out on the internet. Everybody has a voice, and everybody wants to say something, and everybody wants to wants to show that they mean that they have something to say. Yeah. They find things that really aren't there. Yeah. Or they they they, they skew things. I mean, can you imagine putting the honeymooners on TV now? Yeah, it just wouldn't happen. You've got domestic violence, yeah. you've got um, Irish and Italian stereotypes, you've got 
um, anti-Russian, anti-Chinese sentiment, Vietnam, all this sort of stuff, it's racist as fuck. Yeah. So, but at the time... But the internet didn't exist, yeah, so it was okay. But at the time, that's... The, society, the large portion of society was a lot more permissive in that way. It wasn't outwardly racist, it wasn't saying go around and kill all the black people, it was just saying, yes, okay, we acknowledge there's a difference. Mm. As time has moved on, as society has moved on, we've gone away from that. I think, actually, yeah, okay, the, there may be a physical difference, but we're all people, we all, know, we all have the same feelings and the same emotions, yeah. and we work the same way, we just happen to have different colour skin, so fucking what? Yeah. Um, but it's very easy to read into things if you want to, I and mean, there's always something you can read into. I mean, I've, I've, my, my, my degree is in English literature, and you look at any, you give any text, and there's a dozen readings of it, depending on your, your worldview. Yeah. So it's very easy to do. Yeah. Sorry, rant over. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, what's the reception then? We talked about the, the different receptions of the two shows. Um, the series premiered alongside Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy on August 11th, 1991. So literally they started all at the same um, time. Yeah. 3, 3.30, 4 or whatever. They, yeah. they were together. They were always together. Um, the show was not as immediately popular as the counterparts and Jenkins lamented um, the fact that Ren and Stimpy is getting as much attention because, the show, because John Crickfalusi uh, was the show's creator. Um, I feel like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Nickelodeon was largely intended to push the limits of children's programming with Doug was a much gentler and more quiet show. While the series of Nickelodeon received mostly positive reviews, the Disney ABC version became notable for its negative reception from fans. As we, we, we talked about this, I don't think it's necessarily a bad show as such. Um, no. So, um, Ratings-wise, it did quite well. Um, the Nick block, um, uh, the Nicktoons block and uh, Nickelodeon um, raised the network's ratings instantly. Doug consistently achieved over 2.0 in the Nielsen ratings. So um, in, in the entire demographics, in the areas it wanted, it was, it was getting yeah. a, an average show share. So for that time of the afternoon was pretty, was pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. They were quite happy with that, especially when you had the um, the afternoon, the, the Disney afternoons and stuff like that as well they was competing with. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's interesting what you say about premiering with Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy because I don't know why, but for some reason, maybe we did get Doug later over here, but to me it always felt like it was later. I mean, Ren and Stimpy, I remember being on BBC Two at 6pm on a, yeah. I think it was on a Thursday. Um, and it had that kind of almost just pre-watershed time when it was being treated as an adult almost show. Almost prime time sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was definitely before I was ever aware of Doug. Yeah, I mean, Doug was a funny one because Rugrats and Renston both went to BBC. And Doug didn't. Doug I didn't, didn't see Doug until we had the Nickelodeon channel over here, which would have been later because it yeah. was when Sky first kind of became yeah. a thing. Yeah, because Sky was around from about, it was around from the very late 80s, but it was kind of widespread from about 92, and 93. Yeah, and I kind of feel like it was then that Doug became a thing. Yeah. With, with Nickelodeon. Doug came with Nickelodeon, yeah, along and it, with real monsters and stuff yeah, like that. And it never really went anywhere else, whereas I said no. Rugrats and um, Ben's Yeah, yeah. Um, it, so then, um, yeah, so it was always quite interesting that I. That was the other reason I didn't really get into it. We didn't have Sky for um, for a long time, so didn't see it yeah. a lot of it at the time. It was only like friends and friends had recorded and stuff. I like yeah. picked up bits of it. Um, it's first season on ABC. Brand spanking new Doug became the most popular program in ABC's morning lineup, attracting the highest ratings of any cartoon on the network. It's high rated second season on the network contributes position as number one network on Saturday morning ratings. So it, when it went to Disney, it was originally yeah. well received. So look, it may be that people don't like it as much, but it did what it needed to do for Disney. It banked. Yeah. That's it. Now that's what it was for. Um, so yeah, critically, it may not have been as, as well received, but it made money. Mm. 
people watched it, so yeah. go for it. Um, and then there's a latest indicator on various broadcast networks, including the UPN, um, and then it went worldwide. So it's it, it's it's done masses around the world. You know, it's I remember we we were in, we'd spent a couple of years in Australia, and it was showing on Saturday morning kids to, uh, telly out there in yeah. 2012. You know, so I mean it was it was on. You know, it was it hadn't died away, it hadn't gone away anywhere. Yeah. Whether it's the Disney version or not, I can't remember. So, very quickly to finish off, we talked about some of the other um, aspects. We talked about the film, um, which never saw. Um, oh, we talked about some of the, um, the, the theatre show, the stage show. Yeah. So I'll let you run with that. Uh, yeah, it was just, I, I just remember it being a, a very big draw in MGM at the time. It was, it was something, obviously, as, as theme park shows do, you have multiple showings throughout the day, but it was something you would make a point of going to see. It wasn't a throwaway thing. Yeah. Like, it, was, it was a good show. Yeah, so um, March 15th, 1999, Disney premiered a new musical stage show, Doug Live, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, uh, at the time known as MGM, um, at the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. The show ran until May 12th, 2002. Following the stage show, a version for Game Boy Color was released in 2000, entitled Doug's Big Game. So the... They didn't realise there was a game. No, so they, they spun it off. I mean, we, we've talked about merchandising on the show and how big some of the merchandising has got. As we said earlier, Doug was never really the character who was going to sell that many toys. No. No, it was never a Transformers, was it? No. Um, I, I'd more see it. Sort of, you go to um, comic book stores where they have some of the, the, sort of the statuettes, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Um, things like that of Doug rather than actual toy you would play with yeah and the same like you don't, you're not going to see a Doug t-shirt or anything I mean I can see it working as a comic book if yeah. you want the spin off in a weird way like you say there's a Game Boy game I, I assume that was a platformer as these things tend to be yeah I could see Doug spinning off into adventure game territory now I could yeah. see Telltale or somebody like that grabbing hold of Doug and doing something with it yeah. in that kind of style particularly after we've had games like Life is Strange hit in the last couple of years that have focused on that kind of American high school kind of story. I could see Doug working in that aspect. Yeah. I can't envision Doug the platform game. I, I suspect it was a Quailman game rather than a Doug game. Quite possibly. Yeah, who knows. Um, if you do know, let us know because it'd be quite interesting. If you've got it... if you Yeah, yeah. is it any good? Is it any good? Yeah. Is it worth us trying to track down? And is it worth going out and buying a Game Boy Colour for? I've got a Game Boy Colour upstairs. Yeah. We just need to track the game now. There you go. We'll, we'll do that then. Um, so yeah, so I mean... For me, I wasn't really into Doug when it came when it first came about in this country. I never, I was never really that bothered. I think I was when it first came about in this country. I would have been round about the age that you were when it first appeared. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just for me, it wasn't anything I was that bothered about because I didn't have access to it. We didn't have the channel, so it was only in case when I was at friends' houses or where they recorded it and stuff like that. But to me, it just didn't do anything. Going back to it as an adult, it's a far cleverer show than I remember it, and as I was thinking it's in the quote. It's it's a it's a good portrayal of sort of the emotional experience of a child of that age. Yeah. You're not well. You're not a, no. You're not yet a teenager. You're not a, a little kid anymore. But you you that sort of no. You you're at that point where you could just about be teetering into adolescence, and you will start having these experiences which you've never had before, and all of a sudden your your mind is blown. And seeing the way that's portrayed, I think was really interesting for me. So to go back to it, I think was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, for me, as I say, I I enjoyed the show at the time a great deal um it's not something that's necessarily been ever present for me in the mm. way that some other shows have you know i've not watched it continually since yeah. um i have revisited it prior to doing the show and i was very excited about doing this show um i think 
well, in fact, I know Doug was one of the ones that I put onto the list. Yeah, I was definitely one of those. Um, yeah, and and I've been looking forward to doing this episode just to rewatch Doug. I've thoroughly enjoyed doing so, and it just it's it's a great big warm hug of a show. Yeah, what Doug is, and, right. and I cannot recommend it enough for that reason. You're not gonna sit down and binge watch it. I don't no. think is there's no overarching story to do that. But if you got ten minutes to kill. And you just want to watch something nice and light-hearted and warm. Essentially, it's a very warm, funny oh, yeah. show. And I don't think there's enough of that on TV today. No, absolutely not. So I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. So there you go. I say it's widely available online. Um, there are DVDs um, in places that still sell DVDs widely. They're becoming fewer and far uh, further yeah. between. Um, but yeah, check if you've not seen it, check it out. Um, if you have seen it and you enjoyed going back down memory lane with us but said by all means pick it up again and see where it leads you um so yeah so that's doug um if you want to uh, go back to any of our other shows or uh, want to get in touch with us go to www.ddpodcast.net you can leave some message right there you can find our archive of this as well as our other shows uh, some uh, some other uh, podcasts on there as well by some other very talented people who aren't us um but yeah so um, get in touch you can find us on facebook with double down podcast network but next time next time see you later sayonara suckers